It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Go! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Playing the role of Chris Townsend today as Uncle Townie is vacationing. Ooh. Roxy Bernstein in for Chris Townsend. Welcome in to A's Cast Live. It is a gorgeous Friday afternoon at the Coliseum. If you're thinking about coming out here, come on out. Come see some baseball. The A's are back in town opening a five-game homestand tonight. Sean Manaya makes a start as the Cleveland Indians make their one and only appearance. This season, it'll be the right-hander Eli Morgan on the mound for the Tribe and Terry Francona tonight. Welcome in. Cody is along as well. Commander Cody, I should say. i got to give you the proper title. Well, I did survive the bachelor party. Yes, you did. So how was Tahoe, by the way? Uh, really crowded, really yeah. hot, no air, no air conditioning in the Airbnb. No? Yeah, well, good thing we were only there at night when okay. we went to sleep. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of celebrity. I saw Derek Lowe at one of the local watering holes. Did I you really? Didn't go up and talk to him. I, He's a celebrity. I'm. I am not. I'm a celebrity. You're Commander Cody for crying out loud. I'm a celebrity in this press box uh, behind you and Townie when I'm here. So and when Ray, Fos- literally, I'm like the low man on the totem pole, no matter where I go. You, hey, Derek Lowe. I know Ray Fossey. Yeah. Did that get you anywhere? Yeah. Well, I know Chris Town. Who he pitches San Jose State. He. You know he gave up a, a slam to the fat guy who batted behind Mark Kotze. Yeah. He gave up. A, yeah. He gave up a home run to Jason Giambi. He still complains that uh, AJ Hinch got a bunt single off of him at, when he played against Stanford. <laughs> But, yeah, other than that, it's been great. Uh, I was telling you earlier, it's the first time you and I have worked together since 2019. Yeah, since the wild card game. Yeah, when we had Commissioner Manfred on. Rob Manfred was on the show with us. We'd like to get him again, wouldn't we? uh, Tony and I talked to him one other time since then. It was last year. Okay. But, yeah, we'd love to have him on any time. I mean, it's Commissioner Baseball. Why would you not want to talk to him? He has the open floor to come back whenever he wants. Yeah, well, he's what we call a friend of the program, as you are. (laughs) Now I'm the host of the program. Yeah, now it's my program yeah, today. Yeah, you are. You're in charge now. You're, you're steering the ship. All right, joining us on A's Cast Live today, coming up in about 15 minutes from now, the radio voice of the Cleveland Indians, Jim Rosenhouse, who is here at the Coliseum with the Indians in town. So Rosie will stop on by. We'll hear from A's pitching coach Scott Emerson coming up, leading off next hour, the general manager of the Oakland A's. David Forrest will stop by. We're couple of weeks from the trade deadline. The draft just concluded uh, during the All-Star break, so we'll get the take from the ASGM, what he likes about the incoming crop of athletics coming from either the college or the high school game. So a lot to get to on this post-All-Star edition of A's Cast Live. 
There is not one cloud in the sky as I'm looking out the window here at the booth at the Coliseum, and it looks like it's going to be a spectacular Friday night. So come on out to the ballpark and enjoy the Indians and the A's. So Shamanaya makes a start tonight. Frankie Montas will pitch tomorrow, and it was strongly hinted by Bob Melvin to the media a little while ago that Chris Bassett, the all-star Chris Bassett, will make the start on Sunday to wrap up this series with Cleveland, then a brief two-game set against the Angels. And it'll be Cole Irvin Monday, James Caprillion Tuesday, I believe. It's my guess. As I'm just playing the right-left turn to stagger the lefties so you don't go back-to-back lefties. So... And then you got an off day on Wednesday, yes. and then you start a start a road trip, a long road trip. And then the roadie goes four in Seattle, two in San Diego, four in Anaheim against yeah. the Angels. So in a, in a stretch of a week, the A's are going to see potentially two guys that could hit 50 home runs this year with Otani and Fernando Tatis Jr. But let's not look too far ahead. No, let's not. Let's look at the Cleveland Indians. We got the tonight. Cleveland Indians in town. The, the only other city I hate more than Philadelphia is Cleveland. <laughs> Why uh, is gro- that? Growing up in Pittsburgh, we well, don't yeah, like Cleveland. Come so. on. I mean, Cleveland's just the uh, – it literally is a mistake by the lake. So, I mean, but what – well, You know not- what the saying is about Cleveland, right? At uh, least we're not Detroit. The, well, in Pittsburgh, it's where it's where Pittsburgh goes <laughs> to dump its, dump its trash. That's what people <laughs> would say. Uh, but the thing about the Indians I really like, and we talked about this earlier off the air, they have a – they do a, an outstanding job of developing starting pitching. And they've had a lot of injuries this year. Yeah. No Shane Bieber. He's coming out for at least another month. Yep. Uh, Aaron Savali's still out. They got Zach Plezak back. Yep. In which yep. We might, we're going to see him on Sunday. But it's now guys like Eli Morgan that's going to be pitching. Cal uh, Quantrill. Cal tomorrow, Quantrill. Son former, of Paul Quantrill, the former Stanford Cardinal. Former Padre yeah. Cal Quantrill. Yeah. So they've, but they've, doing, they've done a nice job of developing guys. And their back end and their bullpen is very good. Yeah. Karen so, Jack and. They, Classe, they, they, they've. The thing with them is their offense is their problem. And trading Lindor didn't help uh, help that at all. But no. Lindor's struggling in New York, though. But yeah. Jose Ramirez is really good. But you can't Indian, let – Indians weren't going to give him that money. No, definitely not. No. No. But good news for the A's today is Mitch Moreland activated from the injured list. And the A's to make room for Moreland. They have designated Frank the Tank. Frank Schwindel – Designated for assignment, the club has announced today. Moreland back was placed on the injured list with no designation on July 4th. And he is back and in the starting lineup tonight. And again, Sean Manaya making the start 6-6 six and six and a 3.19 ERA for the A's. And he'll take on Eli Morgan, 1-3 and three and an 8.44 ERA. The former Gonzaga Bulldog, Eli Morgan. And I had to do some research on Morgan. And realize, you know what, Cody? I've called a game where Eli Morgan was pitching. Did he Did he pitch with uh, Marco Gonzalez? Was Gonzalez no. too old for him? No, Gonzalez a little bit older. He pitched, remember Brendan Bailey, who was drafted yes. by the A's and traded to the yes. Astros for Ramon Laureano? Well, yeah, the Laureano, I would say the Laureano deal. So in 2016, I had Gonzaga in a regional. I worked for ESPN. Uh, college baseball, the regional round, was at. TCU and Fort Worth, so TCU was the one seed. Arizona State was the two. The Zags were the three. And I want to – yeah, Oral Roberts was the four seed in that regional. So TCU ended up winning the regional. Gonzaga knocked out ASU, and the Zags really pushed TCU, but TCU won it. Kirk Sarlos, by the way, former athletic, was the pitching coach at TCU at the time, who's now the TCU head coach. But – 
And Brian Howard is with the A's at Vegas? Yeah, he's, he's with Vegas. Vegas yeah. He was on that TCU team as a starter. But So Brendan Bailey was the number one starter for Gonzaga. He beat Arizona State. And then in the second game in the winner's bracket, in this double elimination format, Eli Morgan pitched against TCU, who was the number eight national seed, I want to say. And they Gonzaga lost 4-3, but Eli Morgan won 10 games that year. People are getting far too much Eli Morgan and Gonzaga baseball yeah, than they okay. care for right now. Uh, but that's so I have called an Eli Morgan game. He's I think he struck out like eight or nine in that game too. Yeah, struggling a little bit this year. He's an ERA over eight. That's not good. Yeah, well, uh, it's only it's only five starts though. In translation, that means he'll probably go six scoreless tonight because <laughs> that's usually what happens when we see a guy come in with a high ERA and you expect okay. You're coming and facing an A's team that's hit uh, well over 100 home runs now. Now, a lot of their home runs on the year. Tony, I've been, tra- I've been tracking this for Tony. The A's have hit 115 home runs. Okay. 79 of them have been solo. They're one of the league leaders in solo home runs. They're not up there as a league leader. Uh, I haven't tracked since I, I – I was tracking before I went to, went to Tahoe, and I updated it since, but I haven't looked to see who's leading the leaderboard in solo home runs. But they're, they're one of the top five, I want, I want to say, still. Uh, so – with the ADRA, that, that usually translates to he's probably going to go five or six scoreless. I hate to say it. Maybe give up two hits. Yeah, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. But the Indians have been no-hit twice, and a seven-inning no-hitter, they've been no So technically three a, times. A seven-inning no-hitter is a no-hitter. If you're counting yes. a seven-inning game as a winner or loss in the standings, Madison Bumgarner's seven-inning no-hitter is a no-hitter as far as I'm concerned. Well, their seven-inning no-hitter they got no-hit was a combined right, no-hitter by right. the Rays, which is even more impressive. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it, their offensive struggle, but yeah th- – you want to see the A's offense get off to a strong start, so hopefully that happens today uh, for Sean and I. You throw a seven-inning no-hitter, it's a no-hitter. I agree. I think they agreed to play these games. Now, right. Now they're talking about maybe going. They're talking about getting rid of the seven-inning doubleheaders and getting rid of the runner on second base. Please do. Yeah, that's the, the, the runner at second base. All right, I've got some wiggle room with that. Maybe putting a guy at first base would be better than just automatically putting a guy in scoring position at second base. But get rid of the seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, double You're going to play a doubleheader, go nine, right? Play nine. If you want to do a day-night doubleheader and split it up, fine. I got no problem with that. But these seven-inning no-hitters are a joke. It changes the entire strategy and complexion of a game. Like, wasn't the Futures game a seven-inning game? Yes, it was. Like, what, what, what are we doing? There's so many, like, if, you want, if you're a fan of the prospects, you want to see Futures, like Tyler Soderstrom. They need to get everybody game. off the field so they can play the celebrity softball game. Come on. Yeah, I don't need to see DJ Metcalf strike out <laughs> on a slow-pitch softball game. I'm sorry. I'd rather see guys like Tyler Soderstrom play and guys like, sorry, my fan, but I'm, like Quinn Priester pitch for the Pirates. I'd rather see stuff like right, that happen right. than see celebrities play a softball game that they don't care about. And Michael Tolia go deep, the Rockies prospect at yeah. UCLA. Yeah, I'd rather see things like that happen than these celebrities that don't matter about playing. But, yeah. Go back to the nine-inning doubleheaders. Uh, take baseball back yes. to its roots is what Commissioner Manfred said before the All-Star game on, on Tuesday, which, by the way, was a success. The ratings for the All-Star game uh, outrated the NBA All-Star game. I don't know if anyone saw that, but uh, that's pretty good. I mean, Otani put on a show, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think it was a, well, a great success, the home run derby and the I All-Star I personally love the F-bomb that Liam Hendricks dropped on the air. That was my favorite. Uh, I love when he goes, oh, the mic's not working. Yeah, Liam, it is working. That's well, actually, the earpiece isn't working, Liam, but keep going. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, just keep talking. Just because you can't hear what the what, – uh, who's calling First it? Joe off, Buck and John, John Smoltz were saying. I want to know what brain surgeon at Fox thought it was a good idea for a family audience to mic up Liam Hendricks in a game. Anybody who's watched him yeah. knew what was going to happen, right? Have you never seen him like – well, I mean, let's be honest. If you, if you don't watch a lot of baseball or watch uh, West Coast baseball prior to him joining the White Sox, you probably haven't seen him. 
But if, you have, but if you're a fan of the A's or if you know about Liam Hendricks, you know that he curses every time he pitches. Yes. Or if you're now if you're a casual fan of the White Sox, you know he, this is what he does. Or the videos are all over the Internet. And, uh, yeah, I don't understand that move, but it was great to see it happen. And um, it, it takes you behind the curtain. It shows the, the side of these players that we don't get to see. I, I actually like it. I liked players being mic'd up for I love the games. Freddie Freeman interview. Yes. That was great. Um, I think there were some technical difficulties, but when Nelson Cruz was coming up to hit and they were talking to him, yeah, I, I thought that was cool. Um, who else did they mic up? They, uh, had, a, they had Tatis. Not, he liked Tatis, being mic'd up. Yeah, he did. I remember when he was mic'd up here with Mark Hanna when they mic'd both those guys up. Those are two guys with different personalities, but they're both very good. Who uh, For the Braves, it was um, – Ozzy Albies. 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 Yeah. And he was talking to – Conro- Chris Conroy, the yeah. second base umpire. Yeah. Gr- uh, Chris Guccione. Chris Guccione. Yeah. And, hey, we're on TV. They can hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a good – I mean, for the All-Star game, I love when you do stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I, I get where people complain when they do it during but actual games. it's an games. exhibition game. Exactly. And, and the thing that we used to have that count for a uh, home field advantage in the World Series, I mean, well, come on. This time, it, this time it counts, yeah, Cody. Yeah, yeah. But, look, I mean, I was on my soapbox on something else last week about – the Astros all electing not to go for whatever reason. Uh, we know what we know why they we know there. why they didn't go. Yeah. Oh, I got to nurse this or I have this. Ryan, Ryan Presley, Ryan Presley had, I'll give him. He had the valid way. reason. Yeah. Yes. He's having I, a kid. And you know, Michael Brantley wasn't a part of the shenanigans. Well, either was Presley though. That's the thing too. Right. So I'm going to cut them some slack. I mean, they didn't want to go. They didn't want to go for whatever reason. They're not the ones that this is about. It was about Correa. And Altuve. And isn't it amazing how – I guess they still haven't finished Altuve's tattoo. Yeah. I mean, I saw the picture where it showed his tattoo. And yeah. I was, like, I was like, that's – it was like this big. Really? I mean, people can't see what I'm doing, but it was like this really? big. Really? And, and then I saw today that Carlos Correa was activated off the injured list. Isn't that amazing how that uh, works? Yeah, I know. It's Although wild. I got it. He did miss a series against the Yankees. Hmm. Yeah, well. Let me think about that one for a second. I mean, I, I just thought that whole that whole shenanigans where Altuve had a jersey ripped off against the Yankees, but it, he wasn't embarrassed then. What did, right. what did his wife say after the game? His end? wife is okay with it. She's over her yes. her trepidation. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It just. I remember. It's reading all right. That. America can see my husband's chest now. Yeah, I remember reading that and I saw it and I was like, uh, Altuve gets shirt ripped off. I'm like, what happened? And I was like, oh, he had a walk off home run again, and he had his shirt ripped off. And I'm like, okay, Lisa wasn't off Chapman. It was off Chad Green, but still, like. Yeah. It's just, it's just a bad look all around. Oh, and how the Yankees blew that last game of that series. Ugh. So that's why the A's are three and a half behind Houston and not two and a half coming into tonight. Ugh. To blow that huge, what, 7-2 lead going to the bottom of the ninth, and they only get one out. There, there was a stat that I saw that was out there. It was the baseball teams are 493-2 and two when leading by, or leading by four runs or more in the and? ninth inning. The Yankees are the only team that, that have yep. blown both games. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's so bad. All right. Coming up in a bit, we'll hear from A's pitching coach Scott Emerson. But next, the radio voice of the Cleveland Indians, Jim Rosenhaus, as the A's take on the tribe to get the second half going tonight. Manaya against Morgan. We've got you locked in here on A's cast live. 
A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. A's cast live. Now back to the town. Here's Roxy Bernstein. Continuing on A's cast live as we get ready for the start of the second half after the All-Star break. The Indians are making their lone Bay Area appearance, opening a three-game set here tonight. As we're approaching first pitch here on Ace Cast Live and Ace Cast, Roxy Bernstein with you and joined by Jim Rosenhouse, the radio voice of the Cleveland Indians. And Rosie, it's great to see a broadcaster, a visiting <laughs> broadcaster at the Coliseum. Well, I appreciate that, Roxy. It's, it, it's a little semblance of normalcy. We feel that uh, back home in Cleveland, we've... Uh, We've had the White Sox come in, and, and Dan Dickerson from the Tigers has been in, and, and the Reds, and it just it feels normal, like like it's supposed to be, you know, before everything went went south, and um, so it's good, and it's just it's wonderful to be back out on the road. Um, love coming here. It's uh, it's so different from anything we're used to, so it's great to come out here and and uh, be on the West Coast for a little bit. After being away from the ballpark for so long, and look, calling games from my house for a long time, you know, a lot of my ESPN games, I'm doing them from home. Mm -hmm. But now being at the ballpark, there's just an, a special appreciation for what we had and that we're getting back there. When you were getting back into the – look, you were at the stadium last year, but now that you're traveling with the team again, is the, you have a different outlook on things? I think so, uh, and it kind of went a couple of different steps. We, we did games in spring training live. Mm -hmm. um, but there wasn't much access access there. And then we actually drove, Tom and I actually, uh, Tom Hamilton, who, who was the voice of the tribe, we drove over to Detroit because it's only about an hour and a half to do opening day in a snowstorm. So that was fun. <laughs> and we looked at each other like, why do we do this? <laughs> but um, that was a, a ton of fun just being, at, being in, in a ballpark with a ton of fans. Um, but then you were back to doing the off the TV. And it's, you know, obviously that, that can be challenging. You get it done and, and – um, you know, I think probably fans, I don't know how many really notice the difference. But um, certainly there's a disconnect with your ability to go down on the field and talk to players and then relay some stories and information back to the fans that uh, was great once you got back out on the road because you're able to do that. And that coincided with them allowing broadcasters and, and print media back out on the field during batting practice to talk to guys. So that's been a big, big difference and I think a good one. Well, the Indians are playing some pretty decent ball. I don't know if a lot of people knew what to expect from your ball club this year, but you start in the second half, three games over 500. What have you seen with this team? It's been a, a real challenge. Um, off to a, I think for a lot of people, they just figured out oh, you traded Lindor. The whole thing's going, going in a bad direction. It's a reset. Yes, but they've tried. Um, when you talk to Mike Chernoff and Chris Antonetti at the top of baseball ops, they don't want to do the big rebuild that, that a lot of teams have done where you're trying to get the top draft choice and then you have years of 100 lost seasons. They just don't want to go there. And since Terry Francona's been there, uh, when he showed up in 2013, they've somehow threaded that needle, and, and it's getting seemingly harder and harder each year. But 
they've been able to keep it going in a real positive direction. Now, the biggest challenge this year, which they haven't had to deal with in recent seasons, is pitching injuries, specifically starting pitching injuries. And things were going really well, but then within about a, a three, four-week span, Zach Plezak got hurt, Shane Bieber got hurt, Aaron Savali got hurt. And those are three pitchers that obviously are quality pitchers, but you take seven innings a night out of your rotation and it starts to impact some other things. So uh, they had a nine-game losing skid. Um, there have been some other injuries too. Everybody's got them. So the, you know, the last thing Tito says is that's not an excuse for anything. But it's made it challenging, yet they're still hanging around. So who knows in the second half. Jim Rosenhouse, the voice of the Indians, with us here on A's Cast Live. And so when you take Lindor out of the equation, all of a sudden – it opens up a gaping hole in the offense, although he's not having the success that he thought he'd have with the Mets. But how have the Indians replaced his production? Where have they gotten the offense from people other than Jose Ramirez? Well, I think if you look at the numbers, they, they haven't um, replaced it when, he's, when he was going well for the Indians. So, um, but they've, they've gotten some good production from, obviously, Jose Ramirez, you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, having another all-star season. Fran Mil Reyes has become one of the, the top young power hitters. He got hurt and, and missed six weeks, but still uh, has come back and he's mashing uh, just tremendous power. So that's been good. Ahmed Rosario, who has taken over at shortstop, has been a real pleasant surprise. Um, went through a tremendous stretch for about a month and a half where he was hitting close to 400. He slowed down a little bit, but um, he plays a lot of enthusiasm. I mean, he's a good player to have on the team. He's, he's better for the other players, if that makes sense. And so he's been a real nice surprise, so that's been a benefit. Um, but there's challenges throughout. Um, they just called up a kid at first base, so you'll see this weekend, Bobby Bradley, another guy with big power and, and has multiple minor league home run titles, and now it's starting to click in in the major league. So there's some, some young stuff happening that's been good. Um, there's still nights where, I mean, they've been no-hit twice and had a seven-inning no-hits. and So there's some nights where it's a struggle, but uh, – Somehow they pieced it together. How has the fan base in Cleveland handled everything as far as the moving on from Lindor and surrounded this team? Um, It was a dark day, the day they made the trade, because it not only was Lindor, I can tell you in my own house, my (laughs) nine-year-old was really upset that they traded Carlos Carrasco. That was a tough one. Um, But, look, I, I think, People don't want to hear that it's a small market. They don't want to hear that there's financial constraints. Uh, they've had more. They have more wins than any team in the American League in the regular season since 2013. But usually that's not good enough um, because fans want to see owners spend money and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's not their money. <laughs> and and the thing is, they were. What happened with CC Sabathia when he went and signed with the Yankees? They mm-hmm. obviously traded into the Brewers first. There was one team in baseball that was going to sign him. It was the Yankees. And in this situation, probably the only team in baseball that was going to give Lindor upwards of 340 was the Mets. Um, no one else. We certainly weren't going to. The Indians certainly weren't going to. And probably 25, 26 other teams in baseball weren't going to be able to. So um, it's hard to – you're never going to win that argument. You just try and do the best you can. And this has been a fun team. I know the A's have had a, a lot of walk-off wins. The Indians have too, and it's been really exciting. Um, you know, they're, they're battling the injuries, and it'll be interesting to see how they hold up here in the second half. But it's been a fun team, and hopefully the fans will embrace that. Um, you're never sure right now if it's, you know, the attendance is a little lower. Is it because of 
people a little apprehensive about coming back to crowds because of, of getting returning from COVID or if, um, you know, it is a hangover from the offseason trade. Well, tonight the A's are going to get a look at Eli Morgan. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it off the air. The last time I had a game where <laughs> Eli Morgan was pitching, you have to go back to June 4th of 2016. He was on the mound for Gonzaga in the NCAA baseball tournament in Fort Worth, Texas against TCU. And he's taking on the A's tonight. And, look, Gonzaga, people know the basketball success they've had. They've had a really good baseball program. It's been kind of under the radar, too. But he's a product of that program, and he's now in the Indians' rotation getting the start tonight, the first game of the second half. It's interesting because he, he said he wasn't highly recruited out of high school, and that really was he was a preferred walk-on. And it was the only real D1 opportunity that they had, but he was grateful for it because they do a lot of the driveline stuff that a lot of big league guys are using to, you know, increase velocity and just health-wise. So they were doing a lot of that kind of stuff, and, and it's carried over to what the Indians do in their minor league system. So uh, he spoke extremely highly of his time at Gonzaga. It gave him a chance to live the dream because as a junior in high school, it wasn't happening. He said, I was small. I didn't have velocity, but he had a decent senior year. Gonzaga took a chance on him, and it really helped him develop as a pitcher his time there. Yeah, he was a 10-game winner that season. Um, they made the tournament as an at-large where they were sent to forward Texas. TCU ended up winning that regional, but Gonzaga gave them a scare, mm -hmm. and Eli was a part of that team that played very well for Gonzaga. But the rotation also, everybody knows Shane Bieber. And you allude to Polisak and the injuries that he has. Cal Quantrill is going to pitch tomorrow for the Indians, was a highly coveted pitcher out of Stanford. The Indians got him in a trade from San Diego. as a first-round pick by the Padres. What have you seen from Cal Quantrill and some of these other young arms like Morgan that can help for the future? Well, they're getting time, that's for sure. And in a situation where they probably wouldn't have except for Quantrill. I think coming into this season, they were hoping Quantrill – at some point would be a start, a part of the starting rotation. Uh, he didn't need to be coming out of the gate and was really performing well out of the pen. But now with the injuries, they're building him up as a starter, and, and he's had some really good ones. There's been others where he struggled, but it, it's just part of becoming a good major league starting pitcher. Um, he's You listen to him after games, whether he does well or gets hit, and you just figure – you know what, this guy's going to figure it out because he's pretty smart. Um, he, he knows, Stanford. But, I mean, <laughs> he knows the game, and, and I know you, I know where you're going at. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, his dad pitched yeah. all those years. Um, he doesn't get too worked up if he has a bad outing, I guess is the best way to put it, and, and takes it and uses it to get better. So he's really exciting. The other ones, Eli Morgan's here ahead of schedule. J.C. Mejia, who's in the rotation, he's ahead of schedule. Sam Henches has been a part of it. These guys at 2019, they were pitching in A ball or double A and then didn't have a season last year. So there's no way they'd be in the major leagues at this point if things had, had been normal. And now they're being asked to skip triple A altogether and oh, go figure it out in the big leagues. And at times they've been really good. At other times they've struggled. How's Terry Francona handled it all? You know, I, I always say he's at his best when the team is really having a hard time because it's almost like he's this um, 
you know, it's like a, a chef who's trying to figure out the right ingredients to, to make it all work. He refuses to let them feel sorry for themselves because of, you know, if there's injuries or when they're, if they went through a nine game losing skid. He's just, look at, no one's going to feel sorry for your team. Every team has things that they're dealing with. You got to go out and play. And, and as long as they go out and play with that energy, play the game the right way, he feels they can figure out a way to be one run better than the other team on a given night. And, um, he has his team three games over 500. When you look at the roster, the youth, it's the youngest in baseball, the injuries they've had, that's remarkable to me. And and I, I attribute a lot of that to the tone he sets in that clubhouse. Great stuff. Rosie, it is great to see you. And it's awesome that you guys are on the road going with the ball club and more and more people hopefully will uh, <laughs> jump back in the pool, so to speak. Yeah. But. Welcome to California and enjoy your weekend out here. Great to be here. This is awesome. Jim Rosenhouse, the radio voice of the Cleveland Indians. We'll continue here on A's Cast Live. So that's Jim Rosenhouse and the Indians opening that series tonight against the American League Central. The A's have been dominant so far against the Central. We've unfortunately belabored the struggles they've had against the AL West. But against the Central, the A's are 12-2. and and a three-game series with the Indians tonight. They've swept the Tigers and the Royals. They've won four of six for Minnesota. Bring on the AL Central. Let's go. Yeah, well, we haven't seen the uh, White Sox yet, which we won until, what, uh, August? Yeah. August in, in, in the south side, not not the north side, not the south the side. The Southsiders. And then the Southsiders come here in September. So we see Cleveland now, and then we see uh, – then, then we go. I think we go to Cleveland in, in, uh, in August. So the uh, Ray Fossey Cup starts tonight. We're, we're going to cl- we're going to go. Well, I mean, we're not going anywhere. Okay. The team's right. going to go. Okay. But, okay. Uh, I mean, I would maybe I can book a flight home to save my parents. I mean, Cleveland is only two hours from the Greater Pittsburgh area. Hey, Cleveland rocks. Thank you, Drew Carey. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here for. The host of the Price is Right is here. I've I've lost a little weight. <laughs> well, you don't have your beard anymore either. I, I got just I got lazy. That's what it was. I didn't have to do any TV for a while. So <laughs> if I don't have to, why not? Like, I would shave probably every two weeks when, during when we were, like, locked down in COVID. Just, why, why? I only saw my family. Yeah. Uh, I went, I think I went, like, four months without shaving. My beard came down to, like, I don't know. It got, it got really bad. You were, you were looking like Joe Thornton and Brent Burns. It got, yeah, it got really bad. Uh, speaking of that, I saw Dan Ruzowski the other day. Yeah. He's growing a little face hair. I'm like, Ruz, Scar! draft is coming up. You might want to look more presentable. He took offense, didn't he? Uh, well, uh, he was okay. He's, he's an East Coast guy. He, he can handle it. All right, coming up, we'll talk some ace pitching. We'll dive into the state of the pitching staff. The pitching coach for the athletics, Scott Emerson, joins us next. Roxy Bernstein in for Chris Townsend. You've got it on Ace Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at Battle Axe tracks.com that's battleaxeandtracks.com hi this is ramon laureano and the throw is gonna be in time at the plate laureano firing a strike all the way on the and you're listening to ace cast your 24 7 destination for ace baseball 
Cast Live. We continue getting ready for the first game of the quote-unquote second half tonight. The Cleveland Indians hit the Coliseum to open up play a three-game set tonight at 640. Roxy Bernstein in for Chris Townsend here on A's Cast Live, and we're joined by the pitching coach for the Oakland A's. Scott Emerson joining us, and Emo, how was your break? Oh, it was great. You know, I got to go home and spend some time with the wife and dog, and uh, it was, you know, it was a much-needed rest, but ready to get back into it and uh, get after the second half. It seemed like for everybody involved, Scott, that that the, the break came at a good time. You got some momentum, a feel-good series after dropping the first one in Texas and winning the last two. Did, did is your, Was your read the same, that the All-Star break came at a good time for this team to recharge the batteries? Yeah, I think so. You know, we've been dealing with some, uh, you know, nagging injuries on some guys, and our, our pitching staff has been going, you know, full throttle since the start of the year. You know, our starters, uh, much well-deserved rest for them and uh you know for our bullpen guys as well so uh you know recharges the batteries i I know everybody's anxious to get back and going this is what we love to do and and i'm excited for us in the second half i i know that heading into the texas series that it had not gone great as far as the overall record uh, of the team and and going winless in six series until winning the series against texas but I think one constant has been your starting pitching, even though in, in, in the in the way the series had gone, the starting pitching was still pretty good for the most part. Are, are you happy with the way the guys are working right now and feeding off one another? Yeah, you know, you, you look up and, you know, the guys are getting their innings in. Uh, they're competing well. They're keeping us in ball games. It's not like, you know, we've been blown out and have to take the starter out in the first two innings. You know, these guys go out, they compete their butts off. Uh, they work hard. and They've done a, a great job. Uh, last I looked, you know, we were up there in innings pitched per starter for the starters and, and uh, decisions also. So our guys are staying out there a long time. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, that's what good starters do. They they take the ball and they go as hard as they can, as long as they can. And hopefully they can keep that momentum going into the second half. Emo, there's been a lot of pleasant surprises when you look around the roster and some of the contributions that the team is getting. Uh, certainly on the offensive side, guys like Jed Lowry and the season that he's putting together. But from your pitching staff, I, I got to see Cole Irvin pitch quite a bit in college at the University of Oregon. And it, for whatever reason, just wasn't comfortable, didn't work out with the Phillies. But it seems coming over here has rejuvenated him. What have you seen from him and his progress? And are you surprised at the production and the consistency that he's given you? Well, you know, when I look at a pitcher and I look at their data and, and their analytics and, and talking to the pitcher about what he likes to do when, you know, sometimes uh, teams or organizations take away a certain pitch. Sometimes for me, it takes away their confidence. And, uh, you know, I try to allow these guys to use the stuff that they're confident with and, you know, bringing Cole's sinker back into play. You know, as a starting pitcher, the changeup is always important. Uh, you know, for timing reasons and disruption of timing. So, you know, having him have the ability to just go out and pitch, you know, sometimes we're in this reliever stage where, uh, you know, everybody says, okay, you're now a reliever because it did happen to me. Let's ditch the two seamer. Let's throw the four seamer as hard as you can. And let's try to spin a breaking ball as hard as you can as well. And sometimes that's just not uh, what guys are capable of doing. You know, the technology sometimes brings out, uh, well, if you can do this, and it it brings out the theoretical 
uh, aspect of pitching, but not the practical part of pitching. And the practical part for me is take the data and, and use that to what the pitchers can and can't do. And I think Cole's getting back to the things that he was confident in in college and we're confident in him and doing those things. And that's sinking the baseball, changing speeds with that good changeup and, and locating. You know, when, when you're throwing hard, you know, location is always going to suffer. Uh, and uh, because of that, that, you know, maybe overthrow on some guys. And I think maybe in Philadelphia, he overthrew the baseball a little bit because, you know, Velo was a big part of the bullpen and that was just not his game. So, you know, coming over here and allowing him to, you know, pitch his game, use his arsenal, but also teach him how to use his arsenal and what your arsenal is, um, in my opinion, has been good for him. He's made 18 starts. He's taken every turn. He's got an ERA just over three and a half and has been consistent. What were your expectations, Emo, coming into the season for him and after bringing him over from Philly and watching him progress through the spring? Well, like, like you said, you know, he, he's throwing the ball real well. You know, the, the um, I guess my expectations were, let's see if this guy can make the team, you know, uh, or, or make a start in rotation. We gave him every bit of opportunity in uh, spring training to do that. And he took advantage of his opportunities. And you look up and, and he's on the opening day roster as a starter. And, uh, you know, he, he's taken – taking initiative of what he has to do and responsibility. And it's really fun to watch and see. Well, speaking of fun to watch, it's Scott Emerson with us here on Ace Cast Live. We got to see Chris Bassett in the All-Star game, and I know what a big deal it was. He's he's broken down so many barriers personally this year that shut out, and certainly that was emotional, meant so much to him. But now going to the All-Star game, and look, not a lot of guys, Emo, would have pitched on Sunday and pitched as tremendously as he did going seven innings, giving up just a run on four hits, and then turn around two days later and pitch in the All-Star game. But that goes to show you the character and what it meant to Chris Bassett. What were your emotions like as somebody who's helped develop this guy and work with him to get to this level and see him flourish and be an All-Star? Well, first of all, you know there was no doubt really in my mind that Bassett would go to the All-Star game and want to pitch. You know, he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. He leads by example. And the competitiveness of him uh, wanting to go to this all-star game and pitch. I mean, and I, you know, personally agree with him. You know, somebody puts you on the all-star team on one day's rest. And, uh, you know, I know he made a comment. He pitched because he never knew if he was going to get back there again. I, I, I would have done the same thing. You know, uh, I, I've learned a long time that the responsibility on on pitchers pitching on one day's rest should, should you know, fall on the coach's hands, not the player's hands, because the players are always going to say yes, or most of them, the good ones are going to say yes because they want to pitch. And uh, so it didn't surprise me that Chris pitched on one day's rest. And, well, and it was fun to see. Well, coming back from the injury like he did in, in 2018 and 2019, I thought he – Emo took a huge step forward. When did you see this trajectory for Chris Bassett that he was going to elevate his game to become one of the top pitchers in the American League? I think, you know, uh, you know, he's always had that swing role, you know, whether he's a starter on the team or he's a reliever. But when he accepted the fact that that was his role, I think that's when he could breathe a little bit and, you know, become the pitcher that he is today. You know, so many guys, you know, have a, a, a routine and a plan and they can't break the routine. 
if the routine uh, is different, it's tough on them. But Bassett, uh, I think, put into his mind, you know, you tell me when to pitch, I'll just go out there and and, and pitch. And so I think at the, the round 19, you started seeing that, that, okay, this guy is, is all about the team and all about winning and all about pitching. And then, as you know, when he came into uh, 20, we still didn't know if he was going to be a starter or not. And then all of a sudden, he takes the – takes it and runs with it. But what, what I really like about Bassett now in his game is the ability to hit areas of the, of the zone in his bullpen sessions. You know, at, at some point in time, you know, he, he's always been that great game competitor who goes out there and competes. But I think now he's got such a much better idea of what he's doing with his baseball. Uh, he can create movement. He can, like, make up something in the bullpen. Let me try this and, and it have some use to it. So if he gets out in the, in the game and he doesn't feel good about a certain pitch, he can make a minor adjustment to a grip or to a release point and feel confident in that. And that's like pitching. That's like, you know, in the backyard and you're playing a wiffle ball game and you're creating and uh, you know, guys out there that know how to pitch, you look like a, a you look at Granky. You know, he changes speeds. He might change a little arm angle, but he'll throw that breaking ball 58 miles an hour, and then he'll throw a hard <laughs> one at 72. I mean, it's just he's got that ability now to be creative, and I think that's kind of when you start looking around going, you know, this guy's pretty dang good. Well, speaking of being creative and working on stuff, all of a sudden the slider is now back in his arsenal. What was the thought process to reintroducing that into his arsenal out there on the mound? Well, you know, we've always tried to, to work a slider off his cutter. And, um, you know, for some reason, it just wasn't happening where we couldn't gain enough tilt or, or a horizontal break to it. So we kind of started at the beginning of the year working his slider off his curveball, making his curveball a little harder, harder shape. You see now he throws, you know, that he's got, you know, now he's got breaking balls between 68 and 84. So, there are three different shapes to his breaking ball. So we were able to get back to getting that cutter uh, to, to get some tilt this year, kind of probably just a month ago. And uh, now that he's added some tilt to that cutter, it's turned into a pretty good slider. So uh, like I said, that's the creative part that Chris has been able to do uh, over the last year and a half. And uh, I think it's working out for him. Indians in town as the second half starts tonight at the Coliseum. Roxy Bernstein with you here on A's Cast Live and Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of the Athletics, with us. And Emo, heading into the break, I have to assume that the outing that Frankie Montas had to wrap up that series in Houston really has to give him a good feeling heading into the second half. What was different in that start uh, against Houston that you noticed? Well, it's, it's that ability to land that second pitch or have that that consistent, uh, uh, you know, release to where he knew where that second pitch was going. And that day was a split, you know, in, in uh, 19, when he's had such a great year uh, for us, you know, and I know it was cut short, but he had that ability to throw that split at any time in the count. And that goes back to if hitting his time and pitching his disruption of timing. And, you know, he, he's been in the fifties, with both off-speed uh, uh, pitches percentage-wise, where in the past he's been in the 60s percentage-wise. So now now you don't just have to throw fastballs and fastball counts. 
you got the ability to use other pitches and mix it up and throw it for a strike. And, and that's key for every pitcher. But in, in that Houston game, you know, like you said, he, he had that second pitch going, that split. He had an idea of where it was going. He could land it inside the strike zone or he could use it for a chase pitch. And uh, that was very important for him in 19. And hopefully we can build off that pitch and, and continue that win the second half. Yeah, last Thursday in his win against Houston, six and two-thirds innings of five uh, five hits allowed, one run, ten strikeouts for him. And is that something that you view that, okay, the confidence is back with Frankie, that this could be a real springboard for him and could be a huge boost for us in the second half? Yeah, you, you, you know, we all know Frankie's got electric stuff. But, you know, on paper, that's one thing. And in the, in the game, that's another. you got to go out there. you got to pitch. You got to look at the counts. You got to look at the scoreboard. You got to look at the hitter, and then you got to go out and execute those pitches. And you know that game in Houston, he did that. And in most of nineteen, he did that. And you know we need Frankie to come out and have the ability to keep doing that. Uh, and that'll take our pitching staff even to a, a whole nother level. Speaking of bringing it on the pitching staff, I've been so happy for James Caprillion. You know, I've known him since his college days. And look, those were the toughest days of maybe of his life, considering what his mom was dealing with and ultimately succumbing to cancer when he was pitching at UCLA. So I've seen the progression. Then he has the setbacks with surgery, and he essentially lost three seasons as he was trying to develop as a pitcher. When you watch him now, what are you seeing from James Caprillion? Because just everything I see, Emo, it's his presence, his command, that this is – He's got the makeup to really be, I think, a, a top-level pitcher. Yeah, you know, James, you know, comes from UCLA, highly, highly touted prospect, first-round pick. I mean, we, we traded Sonny Gray for him. I think he's done an outstanding job. You know, probably a little bit over my expectations as of, you know, just seeing him over the last couple of years throwing bullpens. But bullpens are a lot different than games, you know. In the bullpen, you never really get to see what this guy is truly made of. And in the game, James goes out there, he's prepared, he competes. Uh, he does remind me a little bit about Bassett, you know, the bulldog out there. He, he wants the baseball. He, he's coming after you. He's got a good idea what he wants to do. Um, and his pitches, in my opinion, keep getting better and better. And his fastball command keeps getting better and better. So, you know, like you said, I, I think this guy, you know, is going to be a good force in this league. And he's just got to continue to do the things that he's doing to keep getting better and better. We're basically doing the state of the pitching staff heading into the second half here with Scott Emerson and Ace Cast Live. Run through the stars. We didn't get to Shamanai. I can't really get to everybody. But as far as the bullpen goes, Emo, heading into the second half, the, the reemergence of Lou Trevino. And he had his struggles a couple of seasons ago. Looked like he started to turn the corner last year and this year has become just a dominant force at the back end of your bullpen. What are you seeing with Lou Trevino that has turned him back into the pitcher that showed flashes when he first appeared in 2018? I think, you know, always it's confidence. You know, when, when guys are pitching good and their confidence is high, you know, keep riding riding the wave, right? I guess that's our one of our slogans. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Lou's, Lou's kind of one of those guys that uh, has been streaky in the past and, and now I think he's getting mature enough to understand what he has to do to get his out. Um, I think he's pitching a little bit more with his other pitches, which I like a lot, and uh, not just relying on his cutter. Um, and he wants the ball. He wants to be good. 
you know, it, it, he's fun to be around, you know, he, he'll tell you, and we always, you know, talk about, you know, he's a little stubborn, which is fine. That, you know, that tells me that guys have a plan and have a plan of action, but I think he's also listening a little bit more to, to what we have to say uh, to help him get better. And um, he's just doing a great job this year. And like I said, that confidence is, 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 you know, good to where you can ride that wave out. Speaking of pitchers that are on a roll, Sergio Romo got off to a little bit of a rocky start, Emo. And, but the last three weeks, month, he has been sensational. He's gotten out of jams. He's made some big pitches for you out of the bullpen. Are you noticing anything different? Is he doing something that maybe he wasn't doing earlier in the year that's allowed him to have this much success recently? Why he's been such, so valuable for you recently? Well, I think if you if you kind of just go back and look at uh, the path of Romo coming to the organization, you know, he was a late sign, maybe early February or, or late January, and uh, you know, maybe not doing as much uh, in the off season to prepare because he really didn't know what type of season, even if he was going to have a contract with somebody. Gets the spring training, we kind of get him in, uh, you know, get him close to being where he needs to be. Then with the COVID rules, he, you know, he goes home and has his fifth child and has to sit out a few more days to, to, uh, because of the protocols and get back into the bubble or whatever we had going on. And then, so I think you're just, in my opinion, you're seeing a guy who's finally in shape in, in major league pitching shape. And, uh, what comes with that is a guy that's going to, you know, hopefully continue to go out and do the things he's been doing and, and get balls, uh, get the ball in, in, in crunch time, you know? So, you know, Sergio comes with a lot of pedigree around the, uh, around the, the league from what he's done in the past. He wants to do so good uh, for his legacy that he's going to work as hard as he can. And that's what Sergio has been doing uh, since he's been here. But I think now you're just seeing better results because he's bet- he's in better major league shape. Emo, they don't, they don't do it. In the same fashion, there's some similarities in the way they pitch. I'm talking about Romo and Yusmero Petit. But it's almost like you have two options there because Yusmero comes in and gets you out of any jam you need. He is just phenomenal doing that. But that's a specialty of Romo also. So how much of a luxury is it for you having two guys that really are comfortable when most pitchers run from those type of scenarios? Oh, I, I think it's a huge luxury, you know, guys that that have the ability to get you out of a jam. Uh, but, you know, you sometimes you get out of what you put in, and those two guys put in a lot of hard work to be where they are and to be sustainable over their career. You know, you look at the big velo guys, which, you know, it would be great to have big velo and command, but, uh, you know, command is always important in the big leagues. You know, you got to be able to throw the ball where you need it. You know, every hitter has a weakness. Can we exploit their weakness? And that's something that, you know, those guys with command have the ability to do. And, you know, I think it's just great to have guys that know how to pitch and get yourself out of the jam. Well, Emo, it's great to have you on A's Cast Live. I'm so excited for the second half to get going. And a pennant rush and a pennant race coming up. And it's great to be in the thick of things again. So appreciate your time and see you at the ballpark. Have a great second half. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. That is the pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson, joining us here on A's Cast Live. We ran through the gamut with Emo. We we covered the entire rotation. The majority of the bullpen, I mean, we didn't talk about Manaya who's starting tonight, but 
then we talked about the bullpen and the resurgence in the of Lou Trevino, but Sergio Romo has occupied a huge role for this bullpen the last month. He has really found a groove and has really fit in nicely recently. I wouldn't say he's the Romo of the no, Giants, but, but he's looked a lot better. You're right. And I agree. You know, Emo laid it up perfectly. He wasn't in, you know, I you would say he wasn't in big league shape when he first came in because he signed late. Uh, he still has that slider. That slider is still deadly. And, you know, he's not throwing 100 like all these other guys are. But the A's also don't have those relievers that are throwing 95 to 100. I mean, yeah. Trevino. Trevino and J.B. Wendelkin and Deacon. and Deacon. Those are the three guys that can dial it up a little bit. Yeah. Birch Smith can get it up there close to 95. But that's really about it. I mean, so you're, you're banking on low 90s with a lot of these guys in the bullpen. So maybe at the deadline, the A's look for a guy that throws, throws a little harder. But who's going to be out there? I mean, Taylor Rogers from the, the Twins is a guy. But, but the tough thing is, Cody, is that the A's aren't the only team that's going to be yeah. in search of bullpen arms, right? They're highly coveted, and it's going to be competitive to get quality arms in the bullpen. And that's, you know, the Cubs who started dealing, right? They traded Jock Peterson, but you got to assume that Craig Kimbrell could be on the move at some point. What's he going to command? And not just him, but the, the bullpen arms are almost of a premium especially right now because so many teams are still in it. So it might take more to try to pry those quality arms away from teams just because they know they're relatively scarce. Look at what the Rays have done already. And uh, David's on the line now, he too. Is. Oh, speaking of, it is time for the A's general manager, the David Force Show right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Sorry you don't get to talk to Chris Townsend, David. You have to deal with me. What's up, Rocks? You're like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Can we, like, save that and just, like, play it every time David comes on with, with Townie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Townie's going to hear this? Oh, never mind. <laughs> no, no, you can talk all you want. No, he's not going to hear any of this. We swear we won't play it back for him. How you doing? Fair enough. I'm very well. Nice to hear you. It's good to talk to you. What's new in your world besides uh, just completed draft? Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we got our all-star break draft. We got like 12 hours off and, and now we're back at it. <laughs> and you're already on to the 2022 prospects. Or is that where you have Eric Kubota already working on? Exactly. Er- Eric and his guys can worry about 22. I, I, check with me next March <laughs> on the 22 guys. Coming out, let, let's start with the draft and talking at, uh, through the process. Look, we saw some teams pick all pitchers. In the draft, what was your philosophy when looking at the crop of 2021 talent? Yeah, I mean, I think we spend a little bit of time talking about the, the group and what are the strengths and weaknesses, but, but ultimately we try not to get too caught up and myopic about that. I, I think we're, we're ultimately looking for the best player on the board, um, the guy we know the best, we've scouted the best, and, and to be honest, when we sat down in our meetings you know, a week out, Max was was kind of that guy, and, and we'd seen a lot of him. Eric and Eric and the guys did a really good job going back to last summer when it was it was hard to scout, but our guys still saw him. And then this spring, we spent a lot of time on him, and we were we were pretty excited he was still on the board. There certainly were more opportunities than last year to see prospects, but still, how challenging, David, has it been the last couple of years for your scouts to be able to go out? And because of the restrictions and COVID and who's playing and who's not playing, 
How much more difficult were the last couple of drafts for your staff to run? Yeah, I don't have anything to compare 2020 uh, to. I mean, that that was sort of the, the most difficult task, a, a five-round draft without really any live action to see. So I, I don't know that we're going to top that one, uh, just knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, this year was had its own challenges. I mean, you had a lot of older guys who were coming back for the draft. You had a lot of guys who – uh, came, frankly, came back from the time off as, as sort of different players, whether because they added strength or added pitches or whatever. So it, it was a challenge. I thought our group did an, an outstanding job covering the country over the course of the spring, and I, and I think we did an excellent job once we got in the room of kind of sorting it all out. David Force, the A's general manager with us here on A's Cast Live as the A's are opening up the second half tonight. You alluded to your first-round pick. Max Muncy is shortstop from Thousand Oaks High School in Southern California. What did you really like about Max Muncy? I think what it came down to was we liked everything. We, we liked the athleticism, the position. We think he stays it short. Uh, the way the ball comes off his bat, the way he plays the game, uh, there's a lot of leadership qualities there. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about a first-round pick, you want a guy uh, who ultimately has a chance to – you know, to, to be an everyday player in the center of the diamond on your big league club, and, and that's what Max gives us. So uh, I think there's a little, bit of, a little bit of everything there with Max. The other thing that impressed me, David, about him just personally is the interviews and how polished he is. For a high school kid to have that kind of a presence, how impressive was that to you in your discussions with him, just seeing the character of the kid? Without a doubt. I mean, we... We had Max come up during the week to the Coliseum to work out, and, and Eric and I and Dan got a chance to sit down with him for about a half an hour. And, and you're right. He is very articulate and thoughtful, polished. He, he you know, sort of knew what he was trying to do. And I think you know, some of that com- obviously comes from the way he was brought up. You know, he's in an area where, frankly, a lot, of, a lot of big leaguers, a lot of pro ball players come from in Southern California. So I think he was around those guys. And then – and you have to assume also his high school coach, Jack Wilson, who, you know, had a pretty damn good major league career himself, uh, taught him a little bit over the last four years. Yeah, it's not bad when your high school coach is a former all-star. And it's funny because Jack Wilson's son, I had his son in a regional for college baseball in the postseason as a freshman at Grand Canyon. And I know how schooled his son is, so I got to imagine that Max Muncy has a great skill set as well, similar Look, when you're learning for a former Major League All-Star, it's only just going to rub off on you. Without a doubt, yeah. You've got a huge advantage over a lot of people. And, and yeah, like I said, Max Max spoke highly of his time with Jack. And, and just even just seeing that Thousand Oaks team play, you, you have the sense, you know, they played the game the right way. They've got a couple other prospects. Their second baseman, Rock Riggio, was taken in the draft. They're, I know their catchers going to Stanford. So uh, it's a, it was a pretty high level of baseball Max was playing. Well, couldn't the catcher go to a real school, David? I mean, Stanford, I mean, couldn't he do any better than that? As, as we like to say in the draft room, he couldn't get into college, so he had to go to Stanford. <laughs> what other – look, I know you, you like all the guys you got in this draft, and there's 20 rounds this year in the draft. Last year, of course, only five, and it's cut down from the previous years when it was 40. But who else really jumps out to you? among the draft picks that you're really excited about bringing into the organization? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, when you, whenever you leave the draft room, you're, you're excited about every guy. You know, we, we took 20 players, like all of them. 
Uh, a couple of the, you know, the guys we took in the next few rounds after Max really stand out. Zach Geloff from Virginia, uh, a guy our scouts have always thought he was going to hit at every level. Just love the bat. And, uh, you know, a six, six, three guy. Who can run. Uh, sorry, my, my, uh, my alarm is going off there. A six, three guy who can run um, is pretty rare. Uh, Mason Miller, the next guy who was throwing 99 at the combine, six, five, uh, a guy who really dominated this year in college. And then, and then the fourth round pick was a guy Eric talked about all spring Denzel Clark down at Cal state Northridge. Uh, another big dude, six, five, super athletic. And for a college guy, he gave you the sense that he still has a long way to go just because he didn't play the game all that much growing up. I think, I think it was not until he was about 16 years old that he played baseball full time. So uh, just a super great athlete in Denzel Clark. And those, those are a few of the guys that jumped off the board. Mason Miller, your third-round draft pick out of Gardner-Webb, who you're talking about, is an amazing story. I was reading up on him and type 1 juvenile diabetes that he dealt with, but he has really been a late riser and a late developer. What about Mason Miller did you and your staff really fall in love with? Well, the fastball jumps off the page at you for sure. I mean, anytime a, a kid's up to up to 99 and sitting, you know, sitting in the 95, 96 area, um, you know, you, you, you like the stuff. But really, you know, you talk about projecting and, and development and all these things. And, uh, you know, Miller's a, a, you know, the rare sort of college guy that you think still has, uh, still has a ways to go. I mean, you know, again, you, you tell these stories about, and how it's not just a one-year thing and they follow guys you know in in his time you know is his time at waynesburg university uh our our scout up in the up in canada matt higginson got really close to mason in fact helped him get to gardner webb for his fifth year of eligibility so uh, another young man who we've seen for a number of years seen his development see what saw what he became in 2021 and, and felt like hey, we're able to project what we think he's going to do in, in pro ball. Talking with David Forrest here about the A's draft picks in the recently completed 2021 first-year player draft. And I've seen a number of these guys, as you know, me traveling the college circuit. In the fifth round, you got C.J. Rodriguez, the catcher out of Vanderbilt, who is probably, to me, David, the best defensive catcher, I think, in college baseball. What else uh, about C.J. Rodriguez and the intangibles that you really think will help out the organization? Yeah, the intangibles is, is a good way to put it. I mean, catching that staff, and, you know, in that sort of high-pressure situation, CJ obviously showed he's capable behind the plate, but real, a really interesting offensive profile from, from a young man who has a really high contact rate, doesn't strike out a lot, uh, can show you some sneaky pop, hit a couple balls over the wall that we watched on video, and – um, no, just a really interesting player who, um, you know, it wasn't clear where he was going to go in the draft. And, and when he was there in the fifth round, we felt like it was a great, a great fit for a skill set that should translate really well. Yeah, in the sixth round, you get Grant Holman out of Cal right out of the backyard here who battled some injuries but really came on. I've been impressed with his command and stuff. And I know he didn't put up the numbers he would have liked this year, but I think he's a guy – and just seeing him develop over the three years pitching uh, for Cal and Mike knew that I, I think he's going to flourish when he gets to pro ball with the stuff that he has and the command that I, I think Grant Holman has a chance to really do something in your organization. 
Yeah, we just we need to keep them healthy. I mean, that's it's the case with so many of these talented pitchers is that, you know, when, when they have an up and down year the way that Grant did, a lot of it is, is because of health and, and you hope to sort of unlock their talent by, you know, by getting them into our routine, doing our arm program and, and just keeping them on the field. And, and the, the, the stuff is there for Grant. Again, you, you know, you've seen him over a few years. Um, you know, obviously being at Cal, we've had a lot of opportunities to see him beyond just this season. And, and you know, the stuff is, is, the, is what got him talked about, you know, up at the top of the draft coming into this year and just didn't have a consistent season. But we really like the talent. So you got him in the sixth round, Brett Harris out of Gonzaga in the seventh. And then Drew Swift, the shortstop, David, from Arizona State in the eighth round. And all, of all the college baseball I saw this year, I don't think I saw a better defensive infielder anywhere in college than Drew Swift, who you got in the eighth round. It, Roxy, it sure sounds like you should have been in our room. <laughs> helping us Where out. was my invitation, saw, David? Saw all these guys. Man, we missed, we missed the boat there. Um, hey, you, but just you're, ask you're Kubota. Right. Ask right Kubota. I was texting him when I'd see somebody and saw something. <laughs> you're right on Drew. I actually uh, I snuck in to see Arizona State. Late in the spring, actually, I was I was go, mostly going to see UCLA play a couple of their guys, but I saw Drew and uh, man, he is he is fun to watch defensively. He can really really play shortstop and and puts on you know can put on a little bit of show in BP with some power. So uh, a guy we like and and obviously being so close in spring training, our, our guys always get over to see a lot of ASU. And I'm probably one of the only people that can say this. I saw your 16th round pick, Colton Johnson, pitch. I like him, David. I think he – look, I know it's a baseball cliche, if you will. He just knows how to pitch. He is an experienced left-hander who actually throws it pretty hard where you think of the college, those crafty lefties. But he can bring it. Colton Johnson, This he can pitch. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the word on him. I mean, you're, you're testing me here going <laughs> all the way down. I'm going deep, round. I know. Because <laughs> I, I did not get out. Illinois State to uh, to see him this year, but yeah, I mean, look, he had a fantastic year uh, in college. You know, you know, ERA in the low threes, and and like you know, like you just said, our reports are all you know, this isn't this isn't going to blow you away with velocity, but the really good changeup, it's plus command, and the guy just knows how to pitch, and and you know, crafty lefties have have a way of, of finding themselves at the upper levels of pro ball. Maybe I can get, get like a, a little title for you as draft consultant. What do you think? <laughs> All right, I don't know if I can. Pay, I don't know if I can pay you, but I'll have business cards made up for you. David Force, the A's general manager, with us on A's Cast Live. All right, so we we are approaching the trade deadline, which is a couple of weeks away. What's it like for you over the next couple of weeks as you're gauging the market, gauging where your team is at? How do you handle these next couple of weeks? Well, obviously the process, you know, has already started. We, you know, we spent the last few weeks internally uh, going over, you know, possible targets and what other organizations are looking to do. And, and Dan and Billy and I have already had some phone calls kind of feeling out other teams. So uh, it's not like we just sort of hit the ground running here. I mean, we, we've been going for a bit. And, and, you know, I think with the schedule the way it was and a lot of people focus on the draft, I, I think you'll see things pick up now after this weekend. There, there are definitely teams still kind of waiting on the next seven to 10 days to see how their team plays to figure out which direction they're going. 
And that's, you know, that's kind of the case with any season once you get past the break. But um, I, I just imagine the pace of phone calls will pick up. The, the conversations will get more, more substantive rather than just kind of the feeling out we've been doing to this point. And, and I think you'll see some trades start to happen. We, we obviously saw the Braves pick up Jock Peterson last night, and, and I think there'll just be more of that as, as the days and weeks go. Yeah, the trade deadline getting going with the Cubs making that move with Atlanta. And last week, David, the news coming out that Trevor Rosenthal was going to be shut down for the rest of the season. He aggravated the hip after trying to come back from the shoulder. For you, just how disappointing is it? You were hoping this could act as, in a lot of ways, a deadline acquisition, bringing somebody like him in with his experience at the back end of a bullpen. And how how deflating is it for you? that there was a key piece that you thought you could be adding, but then he's lost for the year. Yeah, it, it changes our, our equation a little bit. It's too bad for Trevor. He, he had been working so hard literally since the day after his surgery. Um, so you feel bad for him. Uh, but it changed, you know, it changes our math. And, and, you know, we look at the bullpen a little differently now than we did a couple weeks ago and, and maybe what we need what we need or what we can add. So it just, yeah, more than anything, it's a bummer for Trevor, and, and we'll see if we can kind of make up for his loss. Will you get Mitch Moreland back off the injured list and all indications from Bob Melvin were that everything's going well with Mark Canna. You're hopefully getting him back at, at some point, maybe even this weekend. Encouraging for you to getting these bats back because it appeared maybe you guys were a batter too short during that tough stretch over those couple of weeks with them on the injured list. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's any secret how important Marcana is to our to our offense and to our lineup, and and we we saw a lot of that over the last three weeks. Um, and, and the nights, you know, the nights that we struggled to get guys on base, and and you just you know you couldn't help but think like, man, if if Canna were coming up here or we're, we're in the lineup, uh, maybe we get we get a spark somewhere. So um you know get Mitch back tonight. We're hopeful to get Mark back in the next couple of days, and and hopefully some time off, get those bats going. Cause I, you know, the pitching has done such a great job. I know, I know the, uh, the lineup group wants to, uh, wants to do their part. Well, the all-star game was Tuesday night. A couple of guys who didn't get much time off, Chris Bassett, Matt Olson, uh, got to go and made their debuts in the all-star game. What'd you think of them being able to be in Denver for the American league on Tuesday? It was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, both guys super deserving, um, you know, Bassett is Bassett's story has been well documented, but no one's worked harder to get back to where he is than Chris Bassett. So just happy for both guys being in there, enjoy the experience. I thought Ole, you know, made a great showing in the Derby. He came up came up a homer short in that first round, but uh selfishly I was fine <laughs> not having him go through three or four more rounds of that. So happy he put up a good showing and uh and then Chris getting out of the inning that he pitched. So it's it's always it's always more fun to watch that game when our guys are in it. And we were joking earlier, David, as we were talking about Fox decided to mic up Liam Hendricks and thought it would be Ooh. a good idea for a national television audience. Obviously, they had never seen or watched Liam Hendricks pitch before because I don't know who <laughs> thought that was a good idea. <laughs> no, if you, if you had spent you know a half, half a minute around Liam, you probably would have decided against that. And, and trust me, as soon as he walked out to the mound, my, my 11-year-old started giggling because he knew what was coming. So, um, yeah, so, someone on Twitter said, whoever decided that, please do Rich Hill next. And, uh, and I got a good chuckle out of that. So, uh, yeah, Liam is nothing if not entertaining.
Well, can you you have time to catch your breath before you you have to really grind here approaching the trade deadline, or are you just going from one project right to the next? Yeah, the off season is for sleeping, Roxy, <laughs> so we'll we'll do it then. Well, appreciate your time as always, and I I am happy to be a respite from Chris Townsend for you. <laughs> you said it. I didn't. You thought it, right? <laughs> just admit that. All right, I better get out of here before I get myself in more trouble. All right, David, thanks for the time, as always. All right, see you guys. Great stuff from the A's general manager, David Forrest. Coming up, we'll wrap up. This edition, no, we're, we're going to, what are we doing, Commander Cody? Yeah, no, no, we don't need the break. We only we have, need a break. We only All have right. like, uh, I don't know, six minutes left okay. or whatever. All right. All right, so I appreciate the general manager for the A's, David Forrest, joining us. All right, what do we got? What do you got for me? Well, I, I, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't go through. Uh, oh, I forgot to read the close. Should I do the close? No, 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 you're okay. Don't worry oh, about okay. that. You're, you don't worry about that. I'm a little disappointed. General manager of the Oakland A's, David Forrest. Okay, I read yeah, it. There you go. There you go. Okay. I'm a little disappointed you didn't talk about Mitch Myers, the, uh, the, the kid from Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. In the 12th round, really? Uh, you brought up the 16th round pick. Because I've seen Colton Johnson pitch. Pitt was, uh, Pitt was actually a really good team this year in college baseball. I could have brought up Hunter Bro in the 20th round from Oregon. Could have brought up Mar- or Blake Beers from Michigan. What about Mar- uh, Mariano R- uh, Ricciardi, J.P. Ricciardi's son? I could have. You're right. I didn't see Dayton play this year. Sorry. Yeah, I I, I, don't, I couldn't name another player that came out of it. Oh, wait, no. Um, From the Dayton area, Sean Murphy's from the Dayton yeah. area. He, where he played baseball at um, Wright State. You're Wright State. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we talk about uh, – Colleges that most people probably never well, heard of had, before. Well, they had – no, Wright State had a second baseman that went in the second round. Ty Black, I want to say, is his name, who grew up a hockey player. He's from Canada, but he's turned into a really good second baseman. Mason Miller's from Bethel Park. That's right outside Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. Hope, I hope he succeeds well. You want him to succeed. Yeah, I want to see him do well. When he, when he threw out Waynesburg, when David threw out Waynesburg, that's a Division three school in the uh, – the, pe- the Western Pennsylvania area. It's uh-huh. always good to see a great story like that. As a Western PA guy and Lutrovino being an Eastern PA guy, we now we got more. We got it's a Western PA. PA Pennsylvania is starting to grow. Is it scary that I knew a lot about the 16th round pick Colton Johnson out of Illinois State? Um, what school did? I, mean, I went to Indiana State. Indiana right? State. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's close in proximity. But no, it's, I'm not surprised. The, who who'd they play? Who'd you see him play? Um, I had him twice. I think I had Illinois State. You know, as the coach, Illinois State. Remember Steve Holm? Yes. He was a catcher with the Giants and yes. the Rockies. Yeah. And a funny story about Steve Holm. He hit one major league home run in his career. Came off J.C. Romero when Romero was with the Phillies. It was on Mother's Day. And so Steve Holm is from the Sacramento area. And his whole family came down. They're so excited. And he, he came in in relief of Benji Molina behind the plate in this game. And so he, he comes up and... His grandparents had went up the concession stand to go get something to eat when he was up at the plate, and the only major league home run that Steve Holm would hit, his grandparents missed it. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's 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 unfortunate. That really is. That's like that's like one of the, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of like situations like that where that happens to people where they're when something like that happens and they're not around. Um, and my mind just went completely blank because there's so many things I was thinking of at the same time, and they all just escaped my mind at one time. But that has to be awful. I had Illinois State against Indiana State, Shamanaya's alma mater. There you go. And, and, against, Larry, and Larry Bird. And Larry Bird, yes. And against uh, Missouri State, the alma mater of Luke Voigt. Uh, hard again, by the way. Uh, Ryan Howard went to Missouri State. Jeremy Ironman was drafted by the A's. Oh, Ironman's yeah, playing. He's on. Is he in Vegas? 
Is he in Vegas or is he? Double he's in Midland? Midland. It's one of them. Yeah. He's not playing. He's not playing a lower high. He's, no, he's yeah, he's, 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 he's a, yeah yeah yeah. But yeah, so Missouri State. Missouri. Oh, I didn't know Ryan Howard went there. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about Ryan Howard, the power hitting first baseman, not Ryan from Howard. From the Phillies, yeah. Not the shortstop in the Giants system. No. <laughs> okay. No, come on. Yeah, I don't come know. How, I don't know how I know that, but there is a Ryan Howard playing shortstop in the Giants system. I, I think he's still in their system. I see way too many San Jose Giants games. That's why. You need to get a life. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to go watch them play a bunch of games next week. That's true. Alex Jensen will be there. The Stockton Ports are coming to town. Tyler Soderstrom, uh, Robert Poisson. Yeah. They, they only lost 18 to nothing last night to Fresno. Only? Yeah. They had, Fresno's 118 stolen bases in low A. For, I'm still, like, trying to figure out the moving parts to minor league where it's, it's not the Pacific Coast League. It's AAA West, which is so stupid. And then they took what was high A, the California League, and move that to what was the Northwest League, and that's High A West, and Low A West was the California League. Yeah, I I don't like it. And Fresno used to be the affiliate of the Astros, Astros, and the Nationals. Now it's the Rockies. Yes, the and Ro- they were the Giants before that. And the Rockies have their number one pick from last year, Zach Veen, playing there. Okay. Who Townie heckled as the beer batter. Was he the beer batter when we went to a game? Did he like, strike out? Uh, he did strike out, but Tony was heckling him as like a $7 million baby is what he, whatever he was calling him, uh, which was really funny. Uh, but anyway, I think I forget how many games they played. They're at like 50 or 60 games. I think 60 games. Uh-huh. How do you have 118? That's remarkable. It's insane. And, I mean, I know it's low a, we thought Billy Hamilton could steal bases. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was 118 going into last night, and they sold some bases last night in an 18 to nothing blowout of the, of the ports. You expecting batters to get thrown out tonight? Um, I don't expect to see a lot of steals in this series. No, I mean that's. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, no. no. I, expect, I expect to see a lot more steals in that series. Okay, all right, yeah. That oh, I, I when I worked in the California League a number of years ago, that was fun. Did you and Tony do it around the same time? Uh, who were you, what games? Because I was in High Desert. Because he was doing San Jose. He yeah. did San Jose. He was, it was a little bit after. I was a little bit after Tony okay. in the Cal League. No, we were Brewers. Wow, shot, wow, shots fired at St. Tommy's old. He's older. Yeah. Well, so shots fired from you, David Forstone shots yeah, at you know? I mean, I threw shots at him off the air, so no one heard it. Yeah. Um, it is different. We're not working with him. It's 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 odd. He he'll be back on Monday. Don't worry, fans. Townie will be back. Uh, what do you mean? You're two and zero on um, uh, Ace Total Access. So we'll see. Uh, I, I got. I, I just mushed you. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Commander Cody. Um, so the second half starts tonight. Sean Manaya against Eli Morgan will have ace total access coming up in about 15 minutes. First pitch at 6:40 on a gorgeous evening at the Coliseum to open this five-game homestand and get the second half going. The Angels come on Monday. Yeah. So last time we'll see the Angels at the Coliseum this year. That's right. Uh, can't wait. My fiance wants to come on Tuesday. See the, that's Just because favorite, of that's Otani? That, well, it's her favorite team okay. growing up in uh, Southern California. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd want to come see Otani play, too. We're not going to see Mike Trout again. So, uh, But I'm, I'm excited to see the, the Indians play. they got some players I like. So, Yeah, if you look at this lineup, and certainly Jose Ramirez jumps out at you, but the young presence that Bobby Bradley is, I, I'm excited to see yeah. him swing the bat uh, and the power that he has. Um, the way that uh, Jim Rosenhouse, the voice of the Indians, was talking about Ahmed Rosario. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Cal Quantrill pitch tomorrow night. Yeah. I saw him pitch quite a bit when he was at Stanford. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow night. 
Tomorrow's. Uh, or tomorrow afternoon. Sorry, uh, 1 o'clock, yeah. 107 tomorrow. I better say it's tomorrow afternoon because I got the pregame. Yeah, I'll, I'll be here tomorrow as a fan, so I'm excited to see him pitch. And so tomorrow it'll be Frankie Montas against Cal Quantrill, and all indications are Chris Bassett will make the start on Sunday to wrap up the series with the Indians. But to the Tribe, and look, Terry Francona has done a pretty remarkable job considering the injuries they've dealt with. Bieber's on the injured list. Savali's on the injured list. Um, they just did get Polisak back off the injured list, and he's pieced this lineup together, and they're three games over 500, so it's not like this is a, a team that's hovering 20 games below 500. This, yeah. this is a decent team. They were good, and then they went through that really bad lull of losing, yeah. and then they're back, now they're back a little bit. They have a great manager, they the do. second longest tenured manager in baseball behind only. Bob Melvin. Come on. I would, you well, you well, think you're going to slide we, that one by me? When we tell Bob that all the time, he goes, no, 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 it's Terry Francona. No, Bob, it's you. It's you. It's you. So we'll have Ace Total Access coming your way in about 15 minutes to get you set for the ball game. Our thanks to Jim Rosenhouse who joined us, Scott Emerson, the Ace pitching coach, as well as the general manager of the Oakland A's, David Forrest, joining us here on A's Cast Live. Commander Cody. It was fun, man. Roxy, it was good to see you again. You too. You too. And hopefully it's not another almost two years before we get to do this together again. Yeah, hopefully not. Maybe we'll see each other. Well, hopefully it's not another wild card game. Maybe it's an actual playoff series. It, where we're be doing nice. Yeah. 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 All right. The ball game is coming up next on your home for A's baseball. A's cast. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.